Welcome back to the Alex and Mo I Am A PT podcast. Thank you to everyone who has already subscribed. And if you have yet to subscribe, please subscribe on the link below the Alex and Mo podcast on YouTube. So tonight we have Dr. Josh Fung, owner, founder of Rehab to Perform in Maryland. This weekend, he was honored by the web PT community as the innovator of the year. And his company has also been listed as Inc. 5000 Businesses. I have known Josh for a little over two years now, and I am really impressed with his drive. So Alex and I are pleased to have him on the show tonight. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, and overall, yeah, I'm looking to just look forward to sharing for, for everybody with your audience. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Josh. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, busy schedule, as as we can see uh, for you, but really do appreciate the time uh, to share with us uh, in some conversation and, and just to hear your story. And I know that a lot of our, our viewers uh, will get a lot out of this, uh, myself included. Um, I followed you from afar uh, through Twitter, um, and, and it's been been great things and, and awesome to see. So Again, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Absolutely. Looking forward to sharing. So, Josh, you are originally from Maryland, right? Yes. I am living probably about uh, 25 minutes from where I grew up. Okay. And um, when did you first uh, found uh, Rehab to Perform? Uh, December of 2014. We started up in Frederick, uh, which is a little bit north of where I grew up. And it was in a 1,200 square foot space in between two turf fields at a facility called the Frederick Indoor Sports Center, which had a lot of leagues, camps, clinics. Um, fortunately, it was a result of a relationship that I had grown from doing camps and clinics myself in the lacrosse community uh, for about five to six years prior in actually what was my first business, which was known as Flax Factory. And what was that? Just a pure lacrosse, like a uh, performance of sorts type business or was there any? Yeah, no, I've always been entrepreneurial. My first job, I was a paper boy uh, in middle school. I delivered the Gazette uh, on Wednesdays for anybody who's familiar with that. You know, the newspaper would get dropped to the house in the morning. Um, we would either have the rubber bands or the bags and we'd be packing. them. It was actually my, my, my sister and I. We had a minivan that my mom was willing to drive us around and we were throwing papers out in the neighborhoods or we had our kind of big tote bag and we'd be stuffing the papers and walking them and, and dropping them at houses. And uh, that, that eventually turned into uh, later a, a job at the, at the pool um, where I, I would do a lot of private lessons and group lessons. Uh, you know, you're hustling to, to teach people how to swim. And then lacrosse ended up being my college sport. So it was a very, very easy transition into private lessons, clinics, eventually a, a 90 kid camp at one point um, while I was going throughout college. I, th I feel like I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I've enjoyed being valuable. And I think that's really where a lot of it comes from. Um, feeling like I was almost in a position where I, I had to share whatever it is that I had going on uh, with other people. It was this uh, kind of innate responsibility to serve others. And then that turned into a full-fledged lacrosse services company, 
that ran until 2018. And that finished its final year with boys and girls clubs te club teams and 280 kids were in the program. So it was pretty significant uh, by the time that it went. But it was, a, it was a nice opportunity for me to develop what I call social capital uh, and kind of that local, local uh, dare I say, like celebrity type connectivity and, and vibe uh, amongst a certain subset of the population. Uh, and I would attribute a ton of our early success with R2P to some of the, the groundwork that got laid in that lacrosse services company. Not only that, but it was, you know, you, your side hustle. And a lot of people talk about side hustles nowadays. And that side hustle became something, something pretty big. And I think more importantly than anything, it allowed me to learn various uh, things that were important for a business to have that allowed me to kind of bridge a, a, a knowledge gap for somebody that didn't have a business background that did not have more than a day of business in PT school, which I don't think is is unique. The more and more that I talk to people, um, but overall put me in a situation where I, I developed a, a lot of trust uh, amongst parents. And as as we can all agree, uh, par parents run the world. They're the decision makers. They're the influencers. And they're uh, highly, highly connected throughout the local community. Absolutely. So you mentioned you played lacrosse in college. Um, so I'm assuming structure was something that you were not only very accustomed to, but kind of thrived on. Is that, is that a fair statement? For sure. Uh, and to be honest, you know, my mom was a military brat. So I, I think largely, um, there, there are some things that naturally happen with regards to routine, with regards to habit, um, with regards to, dare I use the word intangibles, um, that, probably allowed me to self-structure uh, easier than, than, than some people because I did live in a very structured environment growing up. School, homework, sports practice, finish homework a little bit, eat, go to bed. That was probably a, a, a large amount of, of my childhood. Sometimes it was go out and run around the neighborhood uh, if the homework wasn't too much. But yeah, the, uh, the discipline, the, the, the self-structuring uh, was something that I think that I definitely had on my side growing up and into those more formative years in high school and in college. Okay, so it's hard for a lot of young people to understand working at a very early age. They want to get everything so quickly. So they feel like if they go viral, they're going to make money. But you said... Starting as a paper delivery boy when you were younger actually set you up to become business minded and, you know, to do the side hustle. So what advice would you give to a younger person who wants that instant gratification and doesn't want to go through the process of growing and learning and building discipline and perseverance, doing the little jobs like paper delivery or working in a service industry, being a waiter or a waiter, waitress, what advice would you give to someone like that? I, I think they're missing the key thing that you'll take from a lot of those opportunities, which are lifelong traits. I mean, the, oppor the opportunity to put yourself in a situation that maybe is not um, what you want to do at that given moment. Maybe you can think of a million things that are, that are better utilization of your time. But if you can look at uh, the detail and the, the structure and the timing involved with uh, 
uh, a paper route. You know, people are expecting their paper by a, a certain time. They're expecting their paper not to be ripped to shreds. They're expecting it to be organized neatly and, and rolled, uh, you know, nice and orderly uh, in, in a bag. They're expecting it on a certain place on their driveway or on their sidewalk. And then if I, you know, take that over to um, other jobs with regards to swim, lists, swim lessons, I mean, you're talking about your customer service. It was probably the first time I had to deal with people significantly older than me. Um, and I think of all of these different things, whether it was serving also when I, when I worked at a, uh, a seafood restaurant um, and, and, you, and you use them as, as challenges and, and you take on these small like micro challenges where you learn stuff about your, yourself. And is it, your, is it your destination at that given moment? No. Is it even really a destination at, at, at that particular time? Like, no, but it's preparing you for, for something at some point. And I, I dare to even say a, 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 a lifelong destination uh, more than anything. And I think, you know, if I tie it into some, some stuff I've heard recently, it's a little bit more cliche, but the person who falls in love with walking will be a lot more successful than the person who falls in love with the destination. People that are continually chasing destinations are either A, um, going to completely stop at some point in their life, reach a, a peak, and then go off the deep end, so to speak, because they've reached the destination. And in, at, at the end of the day, all they were really in love with was this so, so-called milestone or this, this, this level of achievement that they were looking to have. Versus the person who falls in love with walking, views hardship and views achievement relatively the same. It's an opportunity to recognize something. It's an opportunity to reflect. And whether or not I fail or succeed, it's still a learning opportunity that continues to allow me to potentially and ideally hit my peak late in life. So I think for those people, my question to them would be focused on when do you want to hit your peak? Do you want to hit your peak in the short term and maybe not be in a position to handle whatever it is that comes with that peak at that given moment because you're chasing this quick success or quick reward or quick result? Whereas would you rather work for things, uh, fail, learn, move on, win, learn, move on, and then continue to achieve and continue to have moments where you're a byproduct of that learning. And the byproduct of that learning is, is continual fulfillment, which I think at the end of the day is probably more tied into happiness, um, which, which I think a lot of people are seeking, but it is, it's that long-term, it's that falling in love with the process. You know, there's a lot of different cliche uh, phrases that we could probably throw in here, but uh, I'm a big believer that people shouldn't treat themselves like outliers. And that if you listen to other people that have been successful, they say a lot of the same stuff. Very Absolutely. True. Very Absolutely. True. I mean, the, 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 as you mentioned, the people that enjoy the process uh, just get more out of it. And, and then the, the goal or the destination, as you mentioned, is just the cherry on top, so to speak, because you've accumulated so much knowledge getting to that point and you've been able to, to digest it and, and put it to good use. Um, you know, they always say that you don't ever, you don't necessarily lose. You just take lessons, right? You're not taking, you're not taking those losses per se. You're just 
it's getting another lesson, something else that you could put uh, your hat on and, and kind of grow from it. Uh, you, you mentioned that from a very young age, you, you kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Tell me about your, your process from finishing PT school to founding uh, R2P. So I'm going to go two years before that. And my sophomore year of college, that was my first experience with PT. I was a lacrosse player at Ohio State, and I heard the word surgery. Along with preparing for surgery, I was going to potentially being able to put myself in a situation where I would try to play the remainder of the season, because as it was communicated to me, you really can't make things worse. And if you do make them a little bit worse, you just need surgery sooner. So in all reality, you're still going to end up with the same result. You can try PT, try to rehab and play throughout the course of the season. And that was obviously something that I bought into. Fortunately, I actually avoided surgery. And my shoulder, though having a torn labrum and torn rotator cuff, was perfectly fine. I was able to shoot 100 miles per hour again. I was able to play the remainder of that sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year, two more years in the professional league. Uh, and that time period made me fall in love and fully appreciate the environment of Division I athletics and what you have in a training room, which is you have engagement, you have connectivity, you have a certain level of challenge still present, and you have people that know what it's like to deal with the psychology of an individual who is looking to maximize self. A lot of athletes are trying to self-improve and they're trying to self-actualize. And then when I came home that summer after my sophomore year and experienced mainstream PT, which was the complete opposite of my experience, that was when I knew that at some point in time, I was going to create something that reminded me of a Division I athletics environment. And that's where kind of rehab to perform before rehab to perform became an idea. I graduated from Ohio State. And I got into the University of Maryland and I went through, obviously, my three years there. I entrenched myself in a wide variety of different things that were for pro athletes, for college athletes, whether it was Con Ed or environments or people that I reached out to. And that was the clinical side. But being somebody who was continually kind of troubleshooting and, and, and kind of aware of areas where I had shortcomings, after graduation, I knew I needed to put myself in private practice. So what did I do? I found people to work for who were very, very successful private practice owners. One of them is actually on the speaking circuit. And I was actually speaking at WebPT Ascend this past weekend. It's Jamie Schreier with Practice Freedom U. That was my first boss. He's very successful at what he does right now. And I learned a ton throughout the course of my time there which was about 14 or 15 months before then ending up in another place up in Frederick at another successful private practice owner, Tucky Physical Therapy. And it was through those experiences that I eventually learned what I felt like was enough for me on top of the side hustle, Lax Factory, the, the, the learning that went on from a side hustle business standpoint, as well as the social capital that was created by me being involved in the community and this subset of the population, 
where I felt comfortable enough to say that I had acquired the, what I'll call now the three C's. I had intellectual capital, I had social capital, and I had enough financial capital where I could pull the plug uh, and kind of throw the chips in on myself to start rehab to perform in December of 2014. Okay, so you... Definitely started, uh, I would say, eight, more than eight, like eight years ago? No. Uh, yes, seven and a half at this point. Seven and a half, okay. And you have grown from one location to, you just opened your seventh location. Yes. Not too far from me. So that's really impressive. Seven and seven years. <laughs> and uh, Did you realize you did that? Yeah, no, I, I, I did. And we have eight coming by the end of the summer. We'll be in Virginia for the first time. So okay. um, that'll be our first Wait, one. You, you're moving to Virginia before you move to my county, Josh? <laughs> I, I I would tell you on air right now, but I'm going to, I'm just going to make wait. Um, we will be coming to your county soon enough. And hopefully okay, the reason why we're waiting a little bit is because of something that we feel like is pretty special. So it's not for any other reason other than we're waiting for the right opportunity. And we think the right opportunity um, is going to require a little bit of patience on our end. I, well, whenever you get that Florida branch going, you just let me know, my man. Man, I'll tell you what, I got people left and right on our team going, hey, let's go down to Tampa. I'm like, man, I like going out to Tampa. So don't push my arm too much. So... Uh, so again, and that's great. Mo pointed out seven and seven years. Now, from your timeline, it seemed like you did probably about two years or so of private practice under some what I would call mentors for you, uh, maybe, before you felt like you had your three C's in place to make that change. Something that we kind of see a lot, um, especially on Twitter, is you know, new PTs wanting looking for going to that straight private practice cash PT model. It, it, it's a, uh, what seems to be more of a hot topic amongst uh, the, the newer grads, the younger PTs. What are your thoughts on somebody finishing school going straight to, to doing something of this sort? I mean, I know that each situation is obviously there's going to be different variables that, that kind of will make that decision easier or harder but from a general standpoint as someone who is successful in building clinics but also took the time to say hey i don't necessarily know these things or feel like i'm in the right place right now to make these decisions if you could go back would you do it straight out without necessarily the mentoring i would not change anything um, I think at the end of the day, I knew what I wanted to accomplish during the short window before I opened up rehab to reform. And then number one thing, quite honestly, was paying off my loans. And through having a nine to five and through having uh, a side hustle that I absolutely loved, I was able to pay off my student loans before starting up rehab to reform. I was able to buy a house before starting up rehab to reform. So you talk about being able to check some personal milestones um, in addition to me actually being in a better position to run a business. And for me, it was a no brainer. Um, this is not to 
throw stones, but uh, I've talked to way too many young people who jumped right into private practice PT who are spinning their wheels, who are burnt out already, who are lacking mentorship, and to be quite honest, are spending a pretty penny to get business knowledge and advice uh, that, in my opinion, could have probably been found elsewhere at a significantly less cost. And in addition, potentially where you're receiving wages. It's not meant to offend anybody, but I'm having those conversations regularly and I've had them regularly over the years. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it, it has not been easy. I've been in business six years now and I'm still learning as I go. But having that community helps. Um, I know you and I have met for lunch. We've had discussions and stuff. Like, but you, you have to make sure you link with like-minded individuals. And not only people in the physical therapy industry, but make yourself a member of a, your local chamber of commerce. Communicate with people in the service industry, like hairdressers, uh, barbers, you know, doing doing different products, fitness, yoga, they can give you some insight that can help you to improve your operations as well too. So um, I was reading recently that somebody who has a why, because you had a why, you wanted to re reproduce something that you saw when you played D1 athletics. And that's the model that rehab to perform has. But for every person who has a why, they have to have a how. So how did you come about to construct a team to assist you in making sure that how allowed you to have seven locations in seven years? I'm going to say first and foremost that sometimes you get really lucky. And <laughs> I'll be the first person to admit, and I sit here and I pinch myself and I walk into some of the offices some days and I go, what are these people thinking? I have no idea what I'm doing and they keep coming back. But um, on a serious note as well, uh, for some reason or the other, I have been able to recognize what I'm not good at and also been able to recognize strengths in other people, potentially more so than even they're able to recognize strengths in themselves. And I think that if you were to ask people on our team, if there is one thing that I do regularly is I get the most out of people. I push them into positions of, un of, of, of uncomfortable feelings. I push them into positions where they probably didn't think that they were necessarily capable of. And I also, I'm able to potentially recognize strengths that maybe they had never realized in themselves. So uh, I don't know quite why that is, but that has been something that I've been very good at. Um, one of the reasons why I was emotional at WebPT Ascend this past weekend is because the person that came with me from rehab to perform that was there literally was joining our team in one of our most pivotal moments. When we opened up our second office, I had screwed up the insurance contracting for the second office. We were not getting paid for the first couple of months. I actually had to get rid of, fire somebody because I did not know when finances were coming in. We were having constant fires behind the scenes at the front desk over the course of two offices. And this person as their side job, 
and they were PRN over at John, like the, the at Johns Hopkins uh, during the day, and they were over at Side Hustle, and somehow I recognized that this person was what we needed. She has gone from part time, full time at the front desk, and now she's in the C suite, and that was who shared space with me, and somehow. I convinced her to keep coming back. And when I say that she is an absolute rock star and the amount of productive conversations that she was having with people at WebPT Ascend, I was like, thank goodness this person is on my team because good, like her amount of institutional knowledge is unbelievable. But the one thing that I can say that she has repeated to me, thank you for pushing me into places I never thought that I had in myself. So opportunities where for, for, for some reason or the other, and I could mention some other stories on the, uh, of people on the team where I have incredible amount of trust for people. I believe in them, but probably more than themselves. And we've been able to continue to attract people that I think our culture fits first. Traits first, and then you train the clinical side or traits first, and then you train the clerical side. Uh, and I think that's something that we've been pretty unwavering on. I mean, you come into any of one of our offices, the core values are on the wall. We have positive affirmations um, everywhere. Uh, when, when, when we talk about uh, ways to problem solve or come to solutions, we're continually referencing operating principles. So I think when you have people that largely are uh, aligning on, on, on core values, aligning on their whys and of how they operate and what matters to them, um, you know, it, it allows you to get to the point where, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've had some really, really, really good years. Um, we were able to really weather a pandemic probably better than, than most um, as a result of what I felt like we brought from a foundational standpoint into those extremely challenging times. So, yeah, I mean, I sometimes it is luck and sometimes it is things that I've been really good at. And sometimes it's also recognizing what I'm not good at and putting myself in a position to learn whether or not it's formally right with things like 10,000 small businesses or informally yeah. where I am regularly reaching out to people and I will never be afraid to ask something for the fear of feeling stupid. I am either not intelligent enough to feel dumb or I just don't care enough to actually Put myself in a position where I feel embarrassed because um, I, I, I'll continually put myself in a position where I'm getting whatever it is that I need to be at my best or whatever it is that our team needs. So I know I went a lot of different directions there, and I probably could, could continue oh. to go. But um, when it comes, you, to you could you could continue. You could continue. Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to attracting people and attracting a team, um, you know, you have to be attractive too. You have to create something attractive. You know, you have to create something that people look at um, from a from an optics standpoint. And they're like, you know what? I can see myself there. Hey, that looks exciting. Hey, that looks fun. Or, hey, I like I like what I'm hearing when I look at their brand on social media or the website or through, um, you know, the, the level up community or through an APTA event or whatever, or just through small conversations, through little reach outs, emails. Um, it's it's. You know, it's one of those things where I'll, I'll reference one of my favorite quotes, an aggregation of marginal gains. How do you continue to aggregate gains everywhere so that, you know, when you, when you talk about compounding interest, and I know we can go down in a whole investment track right now, too, if we want to, but, um, you know, you're, you're, you're aggregating moments in which are attractive to people. 
And then to a certain extent, the more attractive people that you aggregate, the easier it makes for more and more people to say, hey, this is the environment where I want to be there. We wouldn't be here if our first five hires weren't unbelievable human beings. I can say that too. Your first couple hires are unbelievably important. Zach, Karen, Jared, Anthony, Caleb, Jamie. I mean, you talk about like our OGs of the company. Like we wouldn't be here without those that first core group of humans that came in and literally laid the foundation for everybody else. And ideally pulled people in, created situation where, I mean, three of them aren't even with us, but they're marks on the company for sure. So you, you mentioned you mentioned two things uh, that when I've been observing you from afar, I'm like, man, he's spot on. You mentioned culture and you mentioned attractive, you know, making something attractive to draw those people. And, and the one thing that you've done amongst the many great things that we've discussed and we've seen you do that I thought was like, man, Josh hit it out of the park with this one is and correct me if I'm wrong. You purchased a home for student interns that are at your clinic to have a place to live. Is that correct? We have interns who have the opportunity to live in the same place throughout their clinical rotation. And I'm not going to spill the beans too much, but we might have a reality TV-esque type show <laughs> coming soon. So I, I, I think that naturally lends itself. But I, I think when I saw that you did that, man, like, first of all, kudos to you, man, because you noticed a gap, right? Because we, we hear about these stories. They're shared on Twitter about the, the extreme things that students have to do while they're in school, while they're still paying a tuition. And then they now have to travel to these different parts of the country to be in these clinicals and the expenses and the stuff. And obviously you were a student. I don't know if you had to do those kind of travelings when you were a student to your clinicals, but you saw that opportunity. And by doing that, it's my belief that the two words that you mentioned previously, the culture and the attractiveness, like you're, you're doing that just with that simple thing. Like you've now brought people into this culture that says, hey, Josh cares, his company cares about me as a student. And I'm not even a licensed clinician yet. That to me, that's like, I can only imagine what he does for his team. And we know that because of the amount of growth that you've had in the time. And then again, you just made it attractive. Like if I'm a student, I'm like, I can go learn from Josh and his team. And he's had enough foresight to say, hey, there's a need here. Let's try to help these students out because if... You know, if you help them out and you treat them right, then you're going to get yourself some some diamonds that are going to say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else over here can offer me. It's nowhere near what Josh can can provide for me, man. And that's how you go from seven to eight to nine to ten to whatever it is that you want to do, because <laughs> you've had enough foresight to say this is a need. Let me be unique because I can't think of anybody, private practice, corporate, anything that has ever done something like that. And to me, that's just is genius. It's just genius that you had enough foresight to say, man, let's do this because it's going to 
I, I don't even know why you thought to do it, really. I'm assuming right now. But it, it's just – it's awesome, dude. And like I said, man, kudos to you because anybody that I talk to in regards to that, and Mo can say this because I've said it before, I'm like, man, Josh is ahead of the game. Josh is ahead of the game. And See, I, backstage I, I, I joked, called you Steve Harvey of Sports Rehab. I'm going to change it and call you um, Phil Jackson because you have a Jedi mind. You – you mentioned a couple. You mentioned a couple things. You see potential in people, and especially with the millennials and the Gen Z, they want upward mobility. They want people to appreciate the value that they could bring to a team. And as Alex just mentioned, you saw a need, so you were filling that need. I can see a rehab to perform campus coming soon, somewhere down the line, but. Um, you you make sure that you can turn seeds into stars. You you see the potential. You know that they have the soft skill, whatever you need to fit into your culture. And as you said, you could train on the clinical side. You could make them improve on those skills. And that's how you get a team of core individuals that can take you to the next level. And as you improve, they improve as well. So. I'm changing from Steve Harvey to Phil Jackson. So kudos to you. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I think the only thing that I'm probably not going to do is probably walk around the office barefoot. I think wasn't that a, a <laughs> no. Jackson? Yeah, I think there's, there's certain things I, I'm going to draw the line on. But regardless, <laughs> I mean, you talk about somebody that's been connected to bringing the best out of people from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant and also Dennis Rodman. I mean, in terms of yep. – being able to find people that are aligning on mission, vision, um, maybe operating a little bit differently, uh, but still being able to figure out what makes people tick. And I, I, I would take tremendous pride if at the end of my career, people said that Josh really took the time to get to know people, figure out what they wanted and helped provide a continuous pathway for them to continue to move without plateauing. And I think that if I, if I take something, Alex, that I just heard you say, and Mo, that you're referencing, the ability to put yourself in a position to listen is something that first has to happen. It's one thing to be a good listener, but you have to put yourself in a position where you're actually able to regularly listen. So if I take something that I've always had a certain amount of distaste for, it's end of the year reviews. End of the year reviews are largely one directional. They're largely transactional. And there's largely a very hierarchical conversation and a person at the top of a hierarchy who is dominating the conversation with regards to just sheer amount of time. So if we transition that into what I think the young person wants to have when it comes to meetings, but it's a more collaborative discussion, and it's actually more question asking on the, uh, on the side of the table that traditionally was talking at, and instead it's more of a, I'm in a position where I'm fact gathering or I'm learning about this individual I'm learning how they view themselves. I'm learning how they viewed their year. I'm learning what would make a successful next year. I'm learning 
what it is they want to be doing. I'm learning how they view their peers. I'm learning how they view the company. So instead of me talking at them, telling them what I think of them, most likely solely based on metrics, because at the end of the day, how much time do uh, does leadership actually work arm in arm with that person on a regular basis versus you shifting the conversation and saying, hey, what can I do to serve you after you tell me your thoughts and feelings on your past year and then what you want your upcoming year to look like? Dare I say, it starts to look a little bit more like a five-minute journal where in the morning hmm. you gather your thoughts, you figure out where you are and how you're feeling at that given time. You have a conversation with yourself about what would make today a great day. And then at the end of the day, you reflect on what it is that went on during that given day and what you're grateful for. So then this becomes a more collaborative discussion about reflection with an individual that you get to learn about more that you now get to carve a growing company, ideally around growing people, which is significantly different than me solely coming to somebody and giving them this pseudo analysis of what I think their performance is based on objective metrics. So that's just an example of somebody who is a millennial who is operating a business. And I heard people complain all weekend about millennials. 85 to 90% of our team is millennials. Every single clinician in the office, every single one is 25 to 36 years old. 11 wow. years. It's all millennials. So you're complaining about the very people of whom which I lock arms with. And I think we're doing amazing things. So is it the millennials or is it you're just not speaking their language? You're just not in tune with what the next generation of people are looking for to maximize self, to contribute to something greater than themselves, to work and row the boat in the same direction, to feel connected, to be engaged, to individualize, to be entrepreneurial while still working towards something for the greater entrepreneurial umbrella. And you can go down so, so many different ways in which I think that people need to kind of reframe and rethink modern business practice. But then again, um, this is stuff that I enjoy doing a little bit differently. I enjoy looking outside of healthcare and saying, where are other high performing companies outside of healthcare? What are they doing? What can we do to take whatever it is going on in that environment to innovate where we're at? And sometimes I was even sitting there over the weekend and after we won our award and I was like, man, sometimes I just take for granted some of the things that we have going on and some of the things that we've done where I, I look at the intern house and I go, man, it's just a great opportunity to put interns in the same house together, to create relationships, to create a safe place for first interns that came to the house are from ne what Nebraska, Wisconsin, Boston, and Texas. We're literally attracting interns from all over the country and they get to come somewhere and know that that's going to be a great place for them to live. So they're at least checking a box of something they won't have to worry about. So that was what it's rooted in. And then I can't wait to make 
you know, instead of MTV real world, PT real world, you know, and, and, we'll, and we'll have some fun with it. But ideally, we get to storytell because I think we do have so many great stories. And I just think the, the opportunity to storytell a little bit more with the students uh, will, will be something that, that I think a lot of people enjoy. You wow. made a tweet. Uh, you made a tweet recently saying that uh, employees or future staff members are free agents. And, and you're absolutely correct. I, I agreed with you on that. And you think outside the box. A lot of business owners think traditionally. Uh, they want to have this hierarchy, as you said, and focus on checkboxes instead of allowing these young individuals who have ways of marketing and you know practicing that can actually boost the business so give them as you said that individual career path or development plan let them suggest stuff give them give you ideas ask questions instead of you telling them hey this is what you need to do blah 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 because some of those tactics are pretty much outdated i do hate the year-end reviews as well too i hate doing them and I hate to be on the receiving end of them. So they're awful. They're awful. <laughs> end of the year reviews should disappear. They're, it, yeah. For somebody who walks in an end of the year meeting and doesn't have an awareness of what their numbers were throughout the course of the year, what are you doing from a business standpoint? Your, pe yeah. your people are all, what? They're going to be surprised by their numbers in the end of the year review? Make it productive. And that's where I just get it. should be a conversation. It's an opportunity to learn more about people, you know, yeah. reframe it. Um, if I get into the free agent piece and I'll just, I, I won't dive too deep into this, but just parallels for everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lead, are, are leagues getting more or less player centric professional leagues? More. more. Yeah. Is the NCAA in terms of student athletes getting more and more or more or less player focused? Player focused. More with the NIL. More. You got NIL. Yeah. So if anything, there is a shift going from organizational hierarchy and higher ups. And we are recognizing the power of the individual. The creator economy is occurring as a result of more and more powerful ways for individuals to attract audience and to become valuable. We ideally create more and more opportunities for PTs to attract audience and be valuable. How many PTs want to niche down, see the kind of patients that they want to see all the time and have a certain amount of potentially financial gain that occurs as a result, whether it's in-person visits, online courses, maybe all of the different remote things that are potentially popping up, PT compact and or otherwise, but largely have an opportunity where they go to a company where the company says, how can I help you? build your brand. And that is the direction that we're going in when you start to add things like a media team, where we have a full-time videographer and a full-time editor, where people can say, I'm going to do a conversation at CrossFit. I'm going to do a conversation at the local run club. I'm going to do a concussion talk at a mixed martial arts academy. And the video team goes with them. You've got short form and long form content and the chain reaction starts to go when you talk about multimodal content and helping people build out a brand. Absolutely. So Josh, for anybody that's seen our show, they know I, I'm a big 
proponent um, of, you know, work-life balance with the family. Um, as I've said many times on the show before, like I wouldn't be here right in front of you right now and with Mo if it's not for my wife, uh, who who's my biggest fan, my biggest supporter, stands right next to me um, at, all the way through um, to, to allow me to do the things that I want to do from doing this podcast with Mo, running my business and doing all the things that I do uh, for, for her and my kids. You were recently married. Um, how, how instrumental has your wife now been? Because from the timeline, like you were doing R2P, I don't know how long you and your wife had known each other, been together, whatever case may be, but knowing you and just interacting with you, like, I'm pretty sure she knew, Hey, this is the type of person that Josh is. And, and when you take that into account as to you're starting to build this, but now you've got a partner for life that's going to help you do that. How instrumental has that been for you? It's been tremendous. Uh, and I can think honestly of, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just name three quick things. <laughs> first and foremost, first and foremost, my wife helped paint our first office. So she's she's in it. Her mark is on the company. She's been there with a paintbrush. She's helped me put stuff on walls. She's held ladders. She's she's done it. She's been a contractor before we were able to pay contractors, you know? And then when I think of things that are or situations that I've been in where I've struggled her insight and advice at periods of time where I was not even expecting to ask for it and what she's provided me has been absolutely unbelievable. So uh, if you met her, you'd probably see that she's a good balance for me. She uh, definitely is not one in the same. I think if I had somebody much like myself, one of us might be buried in the backyard, to be quite honest. <laughs> it, wouldn't, uh, it, it wouldn't work out really well. Uh, and, and the other thing that I will say is that she comes with, to me at, at, at certain times and surprises me also with advice or a small idea. For those of you who have seen the new Be Greater Than Yesterday logo, she actually came up with that on a road trip while we are sitting in an airport together. And she's just jotting stuff and she's going, hey, try these out. And I would say, honestly, a lot of the shirts that are in our store, she came up with. And that was just from like a random moment. But there have been other periods of time where she's just continually supportive. She's continually trying to help me with my vision. And now that she's also spun off into real estate, which has been a nice convenience, um, I'm helping her work on hers as well. So um, there's definitely a two-way street there. I'm really fortunate that she's no longer kind of in the uh, more, more formal, like corporate banking world. She was working at Chase Bank. Uh, and overall, I'm, I'm much happier in, in, in uh, just the fact that she's found something that she really enjoys. And here's where I'll leave your work-life balance thing. Uh, she does remind me sometimes, you're on the clock. At some point, there's going to be a little one running around. And my current way of doing things will have to be substituted out. Absolutely. So, I, got, I got two, man. And let yeah. me tell you, it, it, it definitely changes. And you have to, you got to pivot. 
You got to figure out ways to kind of, you know, accomplish two things at, at once, you know, and, and doing those things. But, you know, as, as somebody who's done it uh, for, you know, six plus years now, uh, I'll tell you that it's the greatest thing ever. Um, you will never love a human being like you can love one of your children. And my wife knows that I love her dearly with everything inside of me. It's just something different, uh, but so well worth it, man. So when you guys uh, decide to, to take that next chapter in your lives, uh, it, it definitely will be very rewarding. And, and you, you know, somebody that down the road, if, if they decide, you know, you can leave them uh, something to, to, to kind of carry on if that's something that, that they want and, and that, that you guys want. I mean, I, I do feel like part of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, although not to the grand scale that, that you're doing things, man, uh, is to leave them with something, to leave them with something that they can carry on, whether it's in therapy, outside of therapy, but just life lessons, working hard, you know, focusing on, on building relationships, all the things that you've discussed this evening with us, it applies to way outside of the business world, way outside of the healthcare world. I mean, it's building relationships with people and that's how they, how they can grow and how, how you continue to grow. I just want to teach so, my kids to fall in love with walking. Absolutely. walking. Good, but good, good. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think I think of that when I think of things that involve the word legacy. Um, and then I'll be fully transparent as well. I, uh, I had my parents divorced when I was one, and I'm honestly just looking forward to giving my children uh, mm -hmm. a, a kind of environment that I didn't necessarily get to have myself growing up. So um, that's just me being being transparent. I'm looking forward to uh, having this full lifelong commitment with my wife uh, and providing them with some things that, that I think I could have benefited from in my younger years. And, and, and it's a good point that you say that because, you know, we've had to go through some things in our family as well. Um, and, and the experiences that you had as a child, good, bad, indifferent, that they shape who you become as a parent, as a father. Um, and, and it helps you fill those gaps, man, because as every parent, we want our children to be significantly better off and, not, and learn from, from the, the lessons that we had to, to learn and, and go through to, to kind of go and, and become better people. So I, I think that Man, just from the way you run a business, I, I have no doubt that when when it's your turn to be a father, that you're gonna, you know, hit that out of the ballpark as well. Well, I appreciate that, and I can't wait for that day to come. Yep, yeah, I would say I would volunteer to babysit, but no, no, no. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids gonna be all over the place. You better keep up. <laughs> but yeah, one thing I've not. Uh, one thing I've noticed about you, though, is that you are involved in the communities where your businesses are located. And whether it's participating in 5Ks, um, the trailer that your company just brought out, to, um, like a rehab trailer or cool-down trailer after someone has completed a, a, a marathon or um, some sporting event but you are genuinely involved in the communities. Like I know a lot of people who own businesses just get involved, hoping that they're gonna get more clients. But 
you can see the genuineness that you have being involved in the communities that you serve. Um, you invest in them. And I think the people in those communities see that and in return, they provide um, services to you and give you a lot of word of mouth referrals and a lot of returning clients. So you said social capital was important to you. One of the three C's that you wanted to make sure that your business had. Um, how important it is for you to build and maintain that social capital? Uh, it's tremendously important. If I'm being, uh, you know, a, an open book here, there's there's five different areas that we try to infiltrate community, to be quite honest, which is what we want to do. We want to be a part of all facets of community. And the big five for us, is the medical community, obviously a lot of our professional peers, the fitness community of whom we are trying to transition people potentially to, youth sports, where we can potentially be that first touch point for young people uh, who are undergoing their first injury or having their first interaction with the healthcare system. The schools who serve as a potential early touch point when you talk about the path to the profession or also are in that situation where uh, maybe they're experiencing their first injury and we can be that first touch point for healthcare. Uh, and then the final piece is the business community and making sure that we're an active and involved member of the business community. Because if we want to run successful business and we feel strongly about our business practices, um, we, we should be out there promoting it uh, and engaging with other businesses who are trying to make the world around them uh, a better place. So those five different areas uh, we, we always kind of have in the back of our head when going into a new office. We want to be uh, in a situation where you kind of have that ecosystem approach to connectivity. And I think at the end of the day, it goes along the lines of just a, a conscious business is one that is not taking care or, or just communicating with shareholders. You're trying to affect stakeholders throughout the community. Uh, and you can't do that without creating genuine relationships. And when you talk about marketing, marketing is relationships. When you talk about sales, then it's storytelling and delivering value to people that you have relationships with. And you don't need to necessarily make a transaction at that given moment, but people don't forget how you shook their hand and paid attention to them. People don't forget when you've gone out of your way to support them at a local event. People don't forget that you allowed little uh, you know, Sarah or whoever to come in and intern at the office um, to potentially see if they like PT. People don't forget when you come to a career day uh, at the school. People don't forget when you come run a booth at the local community night for a local soccer organization, or you're running a booth at the chamber, you're doing a wellness talk for uh, a corporate wellness branch of a local company. Like there's all these areas where we can just get out and, and share what it is that we do. And then we talk about like taking things back to the professional end of the spectrum. How do you change people's perspective of PT? The only way you can do that is to be a part of the conversation and drive the narrative yourself. So if we're going to try to change how people are perceiving our field or try to change certain things uh, as they relate to healthcare as a whole, well, guess what? We're going to do it because we're not just going to complain about the way that the game is. We're going to get into the game and we're going to re 
frame and change the way the game is played. And you can't do that by just sitting on the sidelines or just sitting in your little four wall business, waiting for people to come and being impactful there or waiting with your, your, your thumbs to have a conversation solely in a space where you don't get to interact in front of people. And it's not to de devalue or dismiss the role uh, and the impact of social media and stuff, but there is nothing better than having a handshake and a smile and have somebody come up to you and their eyes light up or for them to come up to you and genuinely think that you may, may be able to, to positively impact their life or somebody that you know. Absolutely, man. I, I Absolutely. like it. I like it. I like it. Now, there's success not only for R2P, but your brother's a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> yes, sir. So, tell first of all, like, congratulations to your brother and to your family. I mean, not many people can say that their family member uh, won a Super Bowl. I know that you traveled to some of his games and stuff like that. Tell me about the experience to, to cheering on for your brother um, and, and how, what, if anything, you have taken from that experience, seeing him on the field participate with the Rams. And, and if there's anything that you were able to draw from, from that experience and, and you can now kind of integrate into R2P or, or anything that you've been going on. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I always – Man, I don't know. There's a lot of different directions I could go with that and probably some that we'll, we'll, we won't uh, talk live with. But I think <laughs> nonetheless, um, you know, you, you, I have four siblings. I'm incredibly happy for all of them. Um, I think that they all have had their kind of own innate gifts. Uh, and I can safely say that the situation that he is in does not surprise me. It just does not surprise me. And I think largely when you are around people, and I hate to overgeneralize and categorize, but when you are around a winner, you know that you are around a winner. And ever since he's been young, he has had that it factor. And you knew that he was going to continue on and continue to maximize his potential. Whatever it was, his potential was going to be maximized. He was a hard worker. He was respectful. He had certain gifts and talents. He was incredibly self-aware. He had humility. He had a lot of traits and the list kind of go on. So, so when, I, when I talk about that moment um and just things that i've learned i think it's probably just learning through observation over the course of his journey and and if anything just being proud and um you, you get back to some of the cliche things we said like he's just been in love with kind of working hard and doing all of the right things ever since he was little i mean he's been he's been doing this and achieving at this level since he probably i can think of when he was in second or third grade he was playing flag football. And I went, wow, he's got a gift. And that's kind of been all she wrote. And then outside of that, I mean, rookie year, it's not easy. You got to stay healthy. It's the not for long league. Um, you know, he'll go into training camp again this year and you got to fight. 
You got to stick stick around. You got to show value. You got to show value in a lot of different ways. You got to sit. You got to show that you can be a professional. The amount of talented people that get drafted and that play at the league, play in the league, but they don't have professional tendencies, lead them to not last very long. I think if you were to ask a lot of people in the league, yes, you have some people that stick around that are unbelievably talented, but I would argue that you have more professional people that maybe had a little bit less talent than some of the people above them that had longer careers. So if you take that just to kind of where he's at, he's going to make himself versatile in a lot of different ways. He's going to approach his development uh, the way I think a good business would be, which is attack the ecosystem. You're going to look for weaknesses and potentially work on those, but you're also going to double down uh, on your strengths. And at the end of the day, you're going to try to be the most consistent person shows up every day. And if you're committed to that quote that we have in our office, be greater than yesterday, you will continue to surpass people who maybe at some point or the other were more talented than you. So I think that if you can take a lot of parallels from the sports world, um, they, they, they are what a lot of good coaches say they are, but they are life traits, they're life skills. They should apply to life after sport. Uh, and I have no doubt that when he is done with sport, that will not necessarily be his peak. That will not be his destination because, as I mentioned, he fell in love with all of the little things that really didn't matter before he ever became an NFL athlete. Was he part of the well, paper I know- route? What was that? Was he part of the paper route? No, my sister. No, I, uh, my, my sister's close in age with me. Okay. Um, I have three brothers that are significantly younger than me. So um, little be known fact, my sister is the only one in the family that has 11 high school letters. So I always oh. say, don't sleep. The best high school athlete in the family might have been my sister if we're talking about three sports. She the Funk family is getting really close to the Gronk family here pretty soon, man. You oh. got athletes left and right. I don't know about that, but but all five of us did sign uh, Division One national letters of intent, which is pretty unique. So that's um, awesome, man. That's yeah, so cool. I, it, it 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 is pretty cool. Uh, I think at the end of the day, obviously there has to be a certain genetic component to it, but uh, I I like to think that there's other things outside of just having some physical gifts that allowed us to all get there. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Your brother, your brother worked through a few injuries while he was at university of Maryland. So I believe there was shared determination there for him to succeed. Uh, even when people had put some asterisks about the injuries and the potential for re-injury. So how important was the rehab process for him uh, during that time? I, I think the, best part and i won't dive down it too much but it was really nice when the the pandemic hit and he got to come home and the only reason why i'll say that i'm i, I don't want to dive into this um because it's never meant to speak negatively but i think that when you have a relationship with a human being of which you've known for a significant amount of time the psychological connectivity and the amount of trust that is involved, I think really, really, really adds a whole nother element to the process. 
I think that there are also some things that when you don't have distractions at, 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 at school and all of the other different things that you're juggling on on a college campus, that it's nice as well. And I do think that sometimes, and again, I, I'm going to say this about almost all college campuses and just things that college athletes do communicate is that the opportunity to only work with the same person was also an added benefit. I think that we can all agree that when you talk to a lot of college athletes, that there's a lot of sharing with regards to focus, attention, um, and who may or may not be delivering a session uh, during a week, during a month, et cetera. Um, so I think a lot of factors really, really were beneficial to when the pandemic hit, he came home and we're pulling literal like two a days, most days for six days a week um, while he's going through that process where, uh, you know, I think that also if we look at the pandemic schedule, the schedule started later, you know, he actually finally got to hit his nine month timeline. There's just a lot of things that didn't get hit during the first rehab process for him. It was a little bit faster than we probably would have liked. Um, and I'm not going to dive into it too deep. Once again, it's not to, not to throw shade, but I think you're, you're also trying to hold up uh, expectations that are unrealistic. Like we, we got to probably go through best case scenario as a result of what happened during the pandemic. So I'm not surprised that he went back, had an unbelievable season, didn't have any injuries. Uh, and then I know he surprised a lot of people at the combine by running a four, four and jumping 37 inches, but he is who I always knew he was. And that did not surprise me one bit. Um, that's, that, that's who he's always been since high school. He was the little muscle head kid in elementary school. Like he looked, kids been jacked since I can remember. So <laughs> people are acting like they're surprised he's athletic. I'm like, where have you been? You just must not have been paying attention. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, a part of ahead, the man. rehab process, part of the rehab process, especially for professional athletes or athletes, high school athletes that are on the verge of going to college, a, a D1 college, and they get injured. A lot of them go through like a mental process. Um, I know you and I have gone back and forth about having like a sports psychologist or a mental health professional at facilities where people can, not only the athletes or people who are going through rehab, but even for employees to be able to boost their performance because employees go through a lot of personal crap at home as well too and in their personal lives. So how important it is for you to get as part of your culture, someone who can encourage athletes and um, your clients mentally to perform at their best. It's so important that I'm vetting people currently to create a mental health arm of rehab to perform. And it's that's okay. that serious. So um, I'm not going to get a couple, I'm not going to try to get a couple chuckles here, but um, I think a lot of people are familiar with the show Billions, and well, I, I, yeah, they have the mental health person in the company. I have been at my best over the past four years as a result of finally going and seeing a mental health professional. And 
I think that you have such a negative stigma surrounding it, but at the end of the day, if you reframe it as mental performance, um, I think that a lot of people can start to see it a little bit differently, but I will make it happen where we will not just have a physical rehab component to rehab to perform, but we will start to have more holistic offerings of what we can provide people uh, at various times during rehabilitation or just in their regular everyday life. And that will not only be a benefit for uh, people in the community, but for our team. Most definitely. And it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So I do think that component is highly important, not only for clients, but for our employees as well. We want people performing at their best and living their life, you know, at their best well-being as well. So I'm glad you have or are going to invest in that mental health component. And I believe other business owners should try to adapt that principle as well because your team is only as strong as the weakest link so i i I agree and i think uh the opportunity to impact lives just beyond the physical rehab space is something that definitely has appealing i've always wanted to be a lifestyle and human performance company i've i've never had it in my mind that we were just going to do physical rehab so it's just a matter you get to a point where you where can you ca- create and capture the biggest audience? Okay. And then what do you start doing? You start adding additional things to what it is that you have going on. But you've already, you've created your big boat and you're just starting to add other pieces to the big boat. Absolutely. Well, Josh, uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, man, thank you. Thank you very much for the time. It, it was an amazing conversation. Uh, I mean, clearly, I think we could go on much longer and, and have some some good, meaningful conversation. Uh, maybe we'll save that for a, a round two at, at some later point. Yes. Uh, but but again, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time um, and much, much well wishes and success uh, to you in both the professional and the personal realm. Um, we look forward to hearing, you know, bigger and greater things coming from 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 your neck of the woods man so uh good luck with everything thank you again thank you both yes, very much thank you so All much these, yeah no, i just appreciate the opportunity to share um hopefully we'll continue to really make people uh proud of it is that the profession that they work for and that hopefully we can continue to just force people to change practices and change the way that they look at things absolutely thank you and as always thank to our, our our viewers Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Please subscribe, follow us on all of our social media. Uh, You can see it on the little scroll at the bottom. Uh, As always, your support means a ton, ton, ton to both Mo and myself. And and we do this for you guys. We enjoy doing it. And we hope that you guys enjoy it just as much as as we do. Uh, So again, everybody have a good evening. Uh, Be safe. Josh, again, thank you very much, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you both.